Professor Suki, and they were, man, some of their prayers are so powerful. I was like, we need to share this. Because some of you guys have been asking, how can we pray for Pastor Suki and Pastor Ryan? Um, and I just wanted them to be able to share what the Lord has put on their heart, um, model it, um, and just really honor, like a public display of honor for our pastor and our leader. Um, I really feel like it's a prophetic act even um, in being well, one of the three things for the priority is being responsible for his bride. And I even feel like in doing this, we're showing uh, how we can be responsible to carry the leaders in our hearts as well because they carry us in their hearts. So, Yeah, for sure. Cool, yeah. So we, we three will be praying. We'll each take turns. Um, and I wanted to start, off, start us off by reading a verse. Um, and I wanted to declare this over uh, Ryan and Suki specifically, okay? Yeah, for sure, of course, yeah. Okay, so this is from Ephesians 1, 3. <clears throat> Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens, for he chose us in him. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself, according to his favor and will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he favored us with in the beloved. Yeah, Father, I just want to declare what is on your heart for Suki and Ryan, that your heart towards them is of favor. You favor them. You favor them, and that is through the work of Jesus Christ. There is no other sentiment, no other heart posture that matters except yours, Lord. And yours is full of favor towards Ryan and Suki, Lord. So God, I pray that, uh, that the only voice, the only voice that they hear, that they rely on, that they put their confidence in is your, is your voice that is one of favor and a full blessing that is found in Jesus Christ. Nancy mentioned that one of our annual priorities is um, for us to be responsible for the bride. Uh, so I'm going to pray into that. God, I cannot think of one or, or two more perfect people to usher us into a time where we are going to assess and think about our response, being responsible for the bride. God, I thank you for 14 years, Pastor Suki has been responsible for us. God, you've given her the responsibility to watch over us, to to be an intercessor for this church, to take on what's on your heart, Lord, to listen to you, to be with you, and to take it and to pray into it and, and war on behalf of us. So God, I, I, I join my brothers and sisters in this sanctuary right now, wherever the ark is, where the global church is, God, in unity, Lord, and I just thank you so much for the responsibility that you've given Suki and how, and I thank you, Lord, for her, how well she stewarded that yes. responsibility. Yes. She's gone through so much, Lord, to hold this responsibility, and she's done it so well. God, as she delivers this word today, Lord, I pray that you would soften hearts. Lord, I pray that, that our minds, Lord, would be reminded that we have someone who is warring on behalf of us, who contends for us every single day, who pains in life every day for us. 
And I pray that our hearts would soften, our minds would open, our eyes would be, would, would just see that we have someone to role model, someone who's been responsible for the bride for so long. Thank you, God, for Suki, Pastor Suki, and Pastor Ryan. God, I thank you that they're just humans. They're just like us, God. They're just like us, and yet the one thing that differentiates us is that they kept saying yes to you, God. Yes from sitting in the pew to yes to, like, helping people on the street to yes to going places, yes to taking people into their homes, yes to um, meeting with people one-on-one and doing inner healing Um, And just, God, I thank you that Suki hears from you. And you said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Lord, we just honor Suki for all the years that she has heard from you and has done it. She hasn't just stored it up in her heart. She's done it. And so, God, I pray that we would honor her years, honor the way she sowed into this church, honor the way that she sows into our body. And that we would hear as if we're hearing from the very, like, your face, Jesus. I thank you, God, for Suki and her, and her like, relentlessness to pursue you more and more and more, even though she's just a human, just like us. God, thank you for making her so supernatural. God, thank you for her power and her authority. God, we just, we just honor her today, and we just thank you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Wow, what a, I don't even have words, so I'm just going to say thank you. That was really special. So, um, like everybody's been kind of talking about, we've been in the middle of this series of being responsible, or what was it, captivated by the mission of God, and then where we're headed next is to be responsible for the bride. But before we do that, we have, um, I just felt like the Lord had a word for us as a community. And so today, I think a better way to think about today, instead of like an explicit teaching, is more like a prophetic word. Um, and when, the way that you receive a prophetic word is you kind of listen for the voice of God and what he's saying to you through it. <clears throat> There's something in it that is meant to release something for now and for something for you to grab hold of. Um, A lot of times when we do teachings, they are meant to bring the presence of God, but they're also um, meant to just teach us something. But I really felt like whether or not this is something you've heard before, there's something that God wants to do with it now. And, um, And there's been this phrase that, for the last few months has been resounding in my spirit over and over and over and over again. I haven't been able to kind of really pinpoint what it is. But the phrase that I kept hearing the Lord say is, everyone is doing their best. And um, I felt like God wanted to say that over you. Like, he sees how hard it is for some of you to come to church and that you're here and you're sitting here. He sees how, where you came from and he knows um, how hard you fought to be here. He knows the battles that you fight each and every moment from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. The internal war that nobody else hears. He knows 
what you've been through. Um, <clears throat> and so I just want to let that just sit. I think in a season where we tend to be really busy, um, December and May, I don't know, for whatever reason, around the clock, they just happen to be really busy times of the year. Um, there's a lot of demands. There's a lot of family sometimes. Sometimes there isn't family, and that's also hard. Um, because of the frenzy, sometimes people are unkind. And not we don't need to lay, stay here for very long, but in 2020, we're heading into another election season which is fraught with different emotions and feelings for many people. During a season, as we're preparing for the second coming of Christ, the enemy is busy at work trying to keep us divided and offended. And as we move into a more global culture and a more global world, we're going to interact with more and more cultures. And all of these things are going to require that we remember that everyone is doing their very best. Romans 5.8 says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. When we talk about all, that means everybody you see, but also yourself. I think it's often very easy for us to look and see all the places where we're interacting with the sin in the world. We can go to the store, we can get frustrated, we can be driving and someone cuts us off. We can do so many things. We can be at work and depending upon our line of work, that can be really, really trying as well. And it's easy to see all the places and all the ways that those people have fallen short. But really, the gospel is for those who've recognized that we ourselves are the ones who've fallen short. <clears throat> One of the images that the Lord gave me um, to kind of illustrate this. Um, a lot of times we think once we've come to the Lord, there's this process called sanctification. And what that fancy word means is that it's a process by which, although we are now clean and pure and holy before Jesus and before the Lord, there's also a process of every day becoming a little bit more like him. A lot of times we think of maturity as this linear graph where we start here and we continue every year to get a little bit more mature. What I'd like to propose is it's actually a little bit different than that. The image that the Lord showed me was that it was a big ball of hair. <laughs> I know, so cute. <laughs> a big ball of lots and lots of strands of hair. And what we enter when we say that we believe in Jesus is, holy crap, that's a big ball of hair. And it's really, really tangled. And the process for all of humanity, because we inherited a world that 
sin has affected on every single level. There is not a single place that it has not touched. That really, what sanctification looks like for each and every one of us is actually we're a big ball of hair. And as each hair gets combed and touched by Jesus, it straightens and it detangles one by one, strand by strand. And so it's not a linear graph. There is nobody who is in a better place than another person. The extent to which that big ball of hair becomes disentangled is the extent to which each and every fiber and hair has been submitted and worked through with the Lord. And so there are, we're going to interact with a lot of people in this world where we're going to see, man, that is an area that they are doing so well in. I really want to look up to them, and I think it's great to honor them. But let's remember, they just might have like a hundred hairs that they've submitted. But there's probably about a million others that haven't yet been. And, I, and, I, and that's not a hopeless message. I think it's actually one that's pretty freeing, depending upon your perspective. Because one of the things that I hear a lot is... Actually, that's for later. But every relationship that we have, if it's one big ball of hair meeting another big ball of hair, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Like, let's just think, what happens? And each and every one of us, for that to work, as we cross bridges, boundaries, cultures, is going to require a supernatural act of understanding that I myself am a big ball of hair and you yourself are a big ball of hair. And when we get together, sometimes we get tangled up. And sometimes we can be like, but they should know better. They're I was um, watching um, this little story clip, and I really like this, I, so I'm stealing it from John Bevere. Um, he's, there's this thing where we were like, man, the world never lets me down. They're so great. I get along so well with people in the world. But then, I, I don't know what it is, but every time I'm in the church, I feel really disappointed. And what his illustration was, it's because our expectation of the world is here. Zero. So no matter what, whatever they do, it's awesome. Wow, they were so fun, so not socially awkward, so amazing, so loving. They were so welcoming. But really, if you really think about it, it's because you didn't really expect a whole lot. And then there's your fellow brothers and sisters. They're right here. And then there's your leaders. And then there's your family, closest friends, and then spouse, spice, if you have them. Spasse. <laughs> right? But, but then for the people who are here, even if, let's just say, what you were able to do was here, really, that left this big of a gap for you to be offended and disappointed. Whereas, if we all just started here and recognized, ball of hair, hi, ball of hair. <laughs> um, nice to meet you. I've got some stuff, you've got some stuff. I know that you're supposed to be here, but that's just a role you play. 
but really at the same time, maybe you all you've got is 300 hairs that you've submitted, but you know. Um, let's open our word to Luke 7, 36 to 50. Then one of the fairies asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, because she is a sinner." And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. If you are walking with God for any period of time, if you live here on earth for any number of years, let's just be honest, we're going to encounter people and circumstances that are very jarring, very hurtful. Not pretend hurt, not a little bit of hurt, like real. Like someone's going to be a jerk to you, I guarantee you, sometime between now and the day you die. Okay, somebody. If you have nobody, I don't, I, I'm so happy for you. But me, I think I'm going to have to interact with a few people who rub me the wrong way at some point. I have been in churches where leaders have not been perfect, wonderful, and perfect. They have let me down. I have had relationships with friends who have betrayed me. I've had regular confrontation with the people that I love the most. I am consistently 
Well, maybe not consistently, but I have a lot of moments where I'm frustrated by the state of the world. You know, I don't know how many of you guys live that way, but it's, it's a very real frustration for me. And I think in the Bay Area, we live at kind of a weirdly frenetic pace because of all of the traffic and the commuting and the working and trying to make ends meet here. It's really easy to get to a place where we start to become hardened, where we lack compassion, where we forget what it looks like to have grace. You know, we get frustrated because someone says something one day and then forgets or is inconsistent the next. Where did we get the idea that humans were consistent? Like, Adam and Eve from the very beginning had everything perfectly lined up and they were inconsistent. People are inconsistent, folks. They'll say one thing one day. I mean, let's just be honest. We're like, I love you, Jesus. Next moment, we're like flip-off person on the street. Right? I know everyone's like, more. <laughs> but if you yourself are inconsistent, what is this expectation that other people won't be inconsistent as well? I really believe that where our culture is increasingly, increasingly becoming more critical. I feel like you can't say anything out there, especially with the advent of the internet. You can't put something out there and just let it be. Just be like, I see the good intention there. I see the heart. It's like, no, actually, these are all the ways where I can poke holes in every single thing and when I'm interacting with someone else, here are all the ways that I could contradict. And honestly, I do the same thing to myself. Man, you guys, sometimes I'm like, I stand in front of the recycling bin. I know this is just a, such a trivial example, right? I just stand in front of the recycling bin, and I'm just like, I'm so bad, I just don't want to compost properly, right? I feel like, and then so I sit there, and I'm just like, but then there's so many moments where I don't even want to do it. And I'm just like, even opening my mail, I'm like, here are the 1,200 email letters that I get, and each one is like something that's so, so wrong with the world that really needs somebody to love and give them money. And I sit there and I'm like, God, there's so much need. There's so many people and things that need you. And all those things can really come to dull us, to affect our compassion. Overwhelm us. I feel like at the, as, um, one of the greatest things that we have to be careful of as believers is a, a spirit of offense. We live in a culture that is increasingly offendable. I don't know about you guys, but I, one of the things that I wrestled with the most in the last season was being really, really fearful that I was hurting people and offending them. 
And I'm not giving us license to go and be mean to people. That's actually the opposite of what I'm saying. But I think on the other side of it, it's like we're trying to be so sensitive to so many things and it feels that like we can't get it right. And I feel like it happens in the body too because of our expectations of what we think other believers are supposed to be like. In first, in, in uh, is it? Let me see. Luke 17. It says it's inevitable that stumbling blocks or offenses will come. So basically, it is going to happen. And the rest of the context is forgiveness. And there's a lot in here. I probably won't be able to get into it fully. But I do want to say. that how we interact with offense reflects our degree of realizing how the Lord has interacted with us with our offense. If we don't realize how much we've been forgiven and what we've done to him, We're going to be very busy wondering what other people have done to us. If we don't have compassion, if we're easily offended, it means we've forgotten where we started. It means we forgot that we were a big ball of hair and even actually quite uglier, to be honest with you. And that while we were that pokey piece of hair that poked the very one who can make us better, he still loved us. I want us as a body to pray and ask the Lord to make our hearts unoffendable. I think it's okay to be angry. Even God gets angry, right? Anger is a, is a, is a normal emotion when there's been a violation of right and wrong. It's healthy. Offense is when we keep that thing in our heart and we don't allow the Lord to take it away. It's when it sits in there for a really long time. And then what it does is it serves to harden us and it serves to make us think a lot of times that we're in a better place than somebody else. I believe that the Lord really wants to show up and he wants to come. And I think one of the um, amazing things about this season of Advent is we get to think about what it's like when the Lord tries, not even tries, did come. But one of the things that the Lord always does when he comes, he chooses interesting vessels to come by. In 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. 
God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He may put our greatest blessings, our greatest breakthroughs, on the other side of a very offensive package, a very difficult person. A prayer that would be wonderful to pray for us as a, as a group is, God, no matter who's up here and who's leading worship and who I interact with, help me see you through them. It is not hard to see all of the tangled hairs. It is not difficult to see all their inconsistencies and brokennesses. It is not. And... Unfortunately, the smarter you are, the more you see those things. And so for those of people who pride themselves on being very, very smart, you're going to see a lot of those things. For those of you guys who are very, very prophetic, right, you're going to see those things. Because part of being prophetic is you can see how things should be in heaven. And you're going to see where things do not match up to heaven. Part of your job is to call that heavenliness here, not pick apart the thing that already was a big ball of hair that needed help anyway. It doesn't help anybody. Jesus, when the Lord chose to come, I mean, I know this has been said, but I really feel like the whole idea is crazy to me, especially as a mom. If you think about a baby, they are seriously the most defenseless, vulnerable, helpless people ever. They can't go to the bathroom by themselves. They can't eat by themselves. If you leave them for even two seconds, by the time that you come back, they might have, like, died, <laughs> rolled somewhere they shouldn't have rolled, ate something and stuck something in their face they shouldn't have stuck in their face. I mean... Babies are so vulnerable and helpless, and they do not conjure up the image of powerful king, savior, the one who is going to fix everything. We want to be positioned to see the move of God when it's here. I really do. And, you know, I know, like, in charismatic churches, this kind of thing happens a lot. They're like, I believe the Lord is coming. I really think he's doing something, okay? (laughs) And not that those people don't agree, but I just, like, don't want it to be like, we're saying this again. No, I really do believe that the Lord has been taking us as a community through a series of refinement. And, and releasing control and resting and getting us to the place where we're like, God, no matter what package you come in, no matter what you look like, if I'm the vulnerable, helpless, stupid-looking baby up here, if, you know what I mean, like whatever it is, God, I'm going to find you, and I don't mind being that. For the Holy Spirit to come powerfully, we have to release our boxes. We have to confront when those places of offense come. What is it? 
There's a saying that gets thrown around in charismatic circles that I've heard. I don't know. I don't think it's scripture at all. It's one of those like funny things you hear so much. You're like, is that scripture? But it's not. <laughs> God oftentimes offends our mind to reveal our heart. Right? And for me, I remember when I first came and I met the Lord and I realized how powerful his Holy Spirit could be. Like, do you guys know that his power is so crazy that if he showed up the way that I have seen him show up when, when, when I was in college and I first met him, we'd all be sitting here and all of a sudden we could literally lose control of our muscles if we wanted to let him. He's so big that if his finger touched your head, you could go zzzz. Everything that's wrong in your body could be completely healed. Every single thing that was hurting in your heart, he could just be like, break it off right there. And, the, and, I re, and I remember watching over the years as we said, God, we want you, we want you. Then peop, there's a, a process where people sometimes get tired of hearing it. There's an offense that builds up because he doesn't show up the way we want. But really, what is that? That's exposing the areas where we are able to be offended. There's a reason why as the Holy Spirit comes more powerfully, when his power comes, we, we respond somehow. We can either run towards it and be like, man, there's this place of obstruction and it hurts and I don't know why. Or we can be like, see ya, I'm done. I'm tired of this. But the truth of the matter is if we serve a God that is truly so big that he created the heavens and the earth and spoke it into being, if he was able to bring himself into a person that was just a vessel and come to earth as a child, how supernaturally powerful can he be to rectify the wrongs on this earth? When he came as a child, he did it to say, I want to be here. I'm entering into your pain, your situation. That means he wants to heal, to reconcile, to restore. And he can do it. It doesn't have to be flashy all the time. Sometimes it is, sometimes it is. But you know, he's going to pick how he shows up. And if we stop remembering that that's how he wants to show up and we don't yearn and ask and cry out for it. It's just not going to happen because part of the move is when he moved towards us, there is always a response that we need to move towards him. And as we move towards him, because he is perfect and holy in every way, when you are in the presence of holy fire, dross, Stuff is going to surface. You cannot serve God and allow all of the flesh, all of the offense, all of the sin stay. It's not possible. What's going to happen is you're going to get to a place where you're like, nah, that's not for me. But, you know, those people, they did that. And all of a sudden, bam. 
that thing that he was doing that was perfect. You thought it was bad. You thought it was some kind of pressure or trial. But really what he designed that for was like, let's get that dross out so I can see the gold, so that we can connect, so that I can do more in you and through you. If we want to see our world change, he has to do it in us first. We have to have it in us. We have to recognize how much we need Jesus before we can tell the world how much they need Jesus. We need to have a perspective that although we start off messy, everything is moving towards perfection. The world without God moves from order to chaos. Right? God reverses this and moves everything from chaos to order. And he's going to use all things for good. Romans 8.28 says he uses all things for good. And we know that the that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purposes. If it's not good, it's not done. Don't, for some of us, the process doesn't look that good right now. There's a few things. There's a couple, a couple, one or two hairs that are out of place. <laughs> a couple of relationships that we got entangled with. If it's not good yet, it's not done. Keep asking for it to finish. He promises, even in here, he uses all of those things for good. He's going to use it all. He's going to use all of the things we see in the world right now that don't make sense, that seem very, very broken, very, very, very broken. And he's going to use it. He's going to pick unlikely people. There's this, um, <laughs> I don't know, have you guys heard of uh, Graham Cook? Some of you guys have heard of Graham Cook. So he is this guy who really loves the Lord, and he speaks very prophetically. And um, I actually really, really enjoy him. And he, told, he tells a story of how he used to preach. And there's these three guys who would just come every single service. Every event, there's these guys, and they'd hold signs, and they'd, they'd scribble furious notes, and then go post horrible things about him on the internet all the time. Like, they just followed him around just to write horrible things about him. And the Lord, I don't remember if it was like the Lord gave him a dream or something, and there was a picture of him, and he was a statue, and there was like beautiful statue of what he looked like, right? And... And then there's these little people chipping and chiseling away. And he goes, he asks the Lord, Lord, who are those people? He's like, oh, it's those three guys, those three stooges who've been following you around. You've seen them as, an, as a problem, but I've been using them to actually, like, give you shape. Make you who I want you to be. If we have the eyes of God, we can see him in everything. We can see what he's trying to do in all of it. The enemy doesn't get the last say. And 
And then lastly, I want to go back to the thought that um, everyone's doing their best. I really, really, truly believe this. Either whether, for people who know God or not, because we inherited a broken world, every single person on the planet is doing the best they can to survive. They're either trying to survive themselves or they're trying to help other people get through it. Everybody. With the tools and with what they were given. Some people were given less and some people were given more. But every single person is really doing their best. They're trying to be mothers and fathers and daughters and sons. They're trying to stay alive and get food to eat. They're trying to make sense of why they're here on earth. Every single person is trying to crawl out of the mess that they inherited through Adam and Eve in some way, shape, or form. And some people are doing the best that they can, the way that they see to help carry out the mission and purpose that they've been called. But we're not all going to do it the same way. And we might not like the way these other people do it, but we're all in the same place, all of humanity. Every country, every culture, everyone. And it's easy to see the ways that they don't do it the way that we do. But I really feel like the Lord is inviting us to see what they are doing. So, um, love to just have the worship team come up. And if there's a way that any of this resounds for you, I'd love you to just um, just to pray, just to stand up. Let's uh, change our physical posture to kind of get us in a in a place where we were ready to respond. For some of you, man, you just need the Lord to say to you in this season. I see, I see you. I see the ways that you are trying to love me. I get that you didn't do it perfectly, but I see. I see the books you're trying to write. I see the ways that you try to sit there and have a quiet time even though you can't concentrate. I see the boyfriend or the girlfriend that you broke up with. I see the job that you don't want to go to, but you go to every day and you try to be diligent and faithful. I see the way that church is hard for you, but you come. I see that you and your mother and your father don't have a great relationship, but I see that you're going to counseling. I see. And for some of you, I feel like the Lord just wants to say, I see you.
Sometimes the most comforting thing, the people you feel most loved by and are accepted are the ones who affirm the effort that you've put in. They're not trying to tell you, man, this is another thing you're not doing right. And for those of you guys who need to hear that today, I believe that this message is for you. says, while you are still sinners, Christ died for you. He didn't die for people who are perfect. He didn't come for people who didn't want him. He came for those who needed him. And then there's others of us where we need to be more like Jesus where it says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. For some of us, when we look upon the world and look upon our friends and our family, we need to be reminded of how to have compassion. And for those of you guys who are in that place, the invitation not in a bad, scary way, but is to receive the places where you needed forgiveness, to be reminded of all the ways that God has grace on you every single moment. So, Father God, I just thank you that in this, in this Christmas season, the season of Advent, as we wait for you. Your coming is only exciting if we're waiting. I pray that you'd put in us a posture and a longing and a hunger to need you, to want you. I pray that you would start to deposit, even right now in this room, open your hands if you want this, a deeper desire for the Lord in your life. God, we are not able, we cannot in our own strength. We need you, Jesus. What we have in common with every person on earth is that we need you. And so today, Father God, our prayer is that we need you. And because we need you, we're excited that you came and that you're coming again. Amen. Let's worship, and if you want to um, get prayer, please feel free to um, come. We always have people up here who are ready to pray. <laughs>